the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. As we've talked about in this last, uh, these last several weeks, we've talked about various aspects of David's heart. I want to talk about one element of David's heart today as we're breaking these down and going through this series together. One of the things that you see in David is you see that he was a man who had a very patient heart. If you're going to be someone who's able to be used by God and to fulfill God's purpose for your life, it's going to be extremely important that you develop patience in the inner part of your being. Not just something that you put on from time to time, but you become actually a patient person. David many times talked about his patience. In fact, you'll see in in Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, where he says, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he heard my cry. And he mentioned several times throughout Scripture his patient waiting upon God. He was a man who had patience in the inner part of his being. And if you want to be the best you can be for God, you and I are going to have to develop a patience that carries us through the storms and troubles and difficulties of life and the disappointments of life and the ups and downs of life and the waiting periods of life. Because here's one thing's for sure for your life. I promise you this. You're going to wait in life. Not everything is going to come in your life on your timetable. It's not going to happen. And you're going to wait one of two ways. You're going to wait patiently or you're going to wait impatiently. You're going to wait. Wait is part of it. No question about it. But the question really is up to you. Will I wait patiently or will I wait impatiently? If you ever want to see an impatient waiter, join me at the grocery store when I'm behind a line of people and I'm just not that person, okay? I I understand that I wait impatiently in those moments. And you and I have those moments in life. But if we want to learn God's way and have the right kind of heart, we must learn to wait patiently, to have a patient heart. I'm going to give you three things today that if you'll work on these three things, Just three things. If you'll work on these three things, it will help you to develop a greater patience on the inside and who you really are. Number one, the first thing for a patient heart, a patient life, is to live a God-inspired life. Let me describe what I mean by that. A God-inspired life, the word inspiration really speaks of a sense of purpose or calling or vision for your life. If I were to ask you, what's your vision? What's the vision you have for your life? What's, what's your calling in life? What is your, what is your purpose in life? Everyone has some sense, or at least should have some sense, of purpose. And oftentimes, we define that purpose for ourselves. There are a lot of people that will start out their life early on in life, and they, they have a life dream. I, I want my life to be X, Y, Z, or this is going to be the purpose of my life. And they set out a course for their life based upon what they want their life to be or what they want to accomplish. And there certainly is nothing wrong with having dreams and goals and visions for your life. But let me explain something to you. There are two ways to live your life when it comes to vision. You can live your life according to your vision for your life, or you can live your life according to God's vision for your life. And there's a difference. 
Now, oftentimes, and I believe that as we walk with God, there is a congruence between the vision that we have for our lives and the vision God has for our lives. He begins to bring those two things together. But if you're not careful in life, you can pursue your own vision and your own purpose and leave God out of where you're going with your life. And the problem with that is this. If you're trying to pursue life on your own, you're trying to accomplish goals and dreams and visions and accomplish a purpose for your life that really isn't God's purpose, then it's all left up to you. And when it's all left up to you, I promise you it will never come as fast as you want it. You'll always be striving to try to make something happen in your life because you are in charge and you're trying to make your life work the way you think your life should work and you can never get there quite quickly enough. On the other hand, if the vision and direction and, and, and goals and purpose you have for your life is based upon God's will for your life, that you've come to the place of saying, God, all I want in my life is to do your will. I don't want anything else. If anything is outside of your will, I don't want it in my life. I only want my life to pursue the goals that you have for me, the dreams that you have for me, and I want my life to synchronize with what your will is, then now you're in a very different position because now even though you will bear some responsibility, obviously, in making the right choices and doing the right things, ultimately, whose responsibility is it to get you where you need to be in life? It becomes God's responsibility. Amen? Because if you're doing God's will, it's God's responsibility to help you fulfill his will in your life. And it's a beautiful, freeing thing when you get to the place of saying, I am just not going to do what I want to do with my life. I want to do what God wants me to do with my life. I want to submit my life to the will of God. And if I've submitted to the will of God, I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I don't have to make things happen because I know that God has the capacity to make happen everything that needs to be to happen in my life to get me where I need to be in my life. There's an interesting part of David's story. Yeah, a couple. Of, I got one clap on that. That's all right. Okay. No, it's too late now. Okay. All right. I'm not looking for claps anyway, but that nevertheless. Think about David for a moment. You know that when you see David's life, David didn't wake up one day and say, I think I want to be king. He never woke up one day and said, I'm going to be king of Israel. I've got to find a way to become king. Never did. In fact, have, had you asked David when you first met him what his goal for life was, he probably would have said, well, my goal is to take care of my dad's sheep. He's given me the assignment to be out in the, in the fields taking care of sheep, and I haven't really thought much beyond that. I just want to be the best shepherd that I possibly can be. He was not worried about where his life was taking him because he had the ability, the confidence in God, the trust in God to know that God would get him where he needed to be. Dear one, I want to tell you today that God knows exactly where you are. He knows the address of your life, and he knows how to get you where you need to be in your life if you'll simply follow his will. Now, following the will of God is not just something you do when you're a young person. It's something you do throughout the entirety of your life. If you're 20, you need to be praying, God, may your will be done in my life. If you're 30, you need to be praying, may God, may your will be done in my life. If you're 50, you need to be praying, God, may your will be done in my life. If you're 90, you need to be praying, God, may your will be done in my life. Because if you're not dead, you're not done yet. Okay. And God still has a plan and a will for you. And so we get to that place in life that we say it's not about 
me. It's about the will of God. And I know if I'm in God's will, I don't have to fret. I don't have to make everything happen. I can trust him. As the writer of Proverbs gives us in that beautiful passage, if you have not memorized it, I would highly recommend that you do. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your Where does the trust happen? In your heart, not your mind, your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. I know people in this congregation right now that I've known over the years that they gave, they've given their lives to God. They've submitted themselves to the will of God and they ended up in jobs they never dreamed they would have. They ended up in financial businesses and they never even dreamed, they could have never dreamed it up on their own, but because they were in the will of God, God's favor rested upon their life. And I will tell you, the favor of God can open far more doors for you than you will ever open for yourself, okay? So it's being in that place of having a God-inspired sense of vision and purpose for your life. If you and I want to have a patient heart, that's where it starts. Here's the second thing. If you want a patient heart, you and I must appreciate and accept God's processes. Appreciate the processes of God and accept the processes of God. God has a process to get you where he wants you to be. In fact, it's very clear that God's word warns us about trying to get somewhere too quickly without a process. Did you know that? In fact, the scripture is very clear in the book of Proverbs, again, chapter 20, verse 21. Interesting verse of scripture. Let me read it for you. An inheritance, a dream, a goal, a purpose, an inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. There are a lot of folks that you see in history who are, as young people, they inherit a lot of money. They inherit a lot of wealth, a lot of possessions, and they, they blow it all. Why? Because they don't have the maturity to handle it at that point. They haven't gone through enough processes of life to be mature enough to handle what's being handed to them. And God is wise enough to say, if I'm going to move you forward in your life, I need to move you through some processes that will prepare you for what I have in store for you. And time is your friend. Time is not your enemy. Time is your friend. In fact, hurry has hurt far more people than patience has. If you look at the people who've made major mistakes in their life, oftentimes you can trace it back to impatience, hurrying, trying to make something happen. Think about David. Let me talk about him just for a moment. We often think that Samuel anointed David and then suddenly he became the king of Israel. Not true. Actually, after David was anointed by Samuel the first time, he goes through a sequence of years before he moves to the second phase. And that sequence of years, it included certainly the battle with Goliath, but also included many years where he's running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him, and David's living in the wilderness of Judea, trying just to spare his own life and to make it so that Saul doesn't kill him. Ultimately, David begins to be the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, not all 12 tribes, only two tribes, the tribe of Judah. The 10 tribes still didn't even want him as king, and so he doesn't have the whole kingdom yet. And that goes on for a period of time until ultimately David becomes the king of all of Israel. There are three anointings in David's life, the first anointing by Samuel, the second when he becomes king of Judah, and the second, the third when he becomes king of Israel. They happen in sequence, and there's something in between each one of those sequence points that is time, time and testing. Put this little uh, diagram on the board for me, if you will. 
There's the first anointing by Samuel that was preceded by some time and some testing. It was tested. David was tested by being a shepherd, a shepherd boy for his father, Jesse. And then after he's anointed by Samuel, what do you see next in the red? What are they? Time and test. And then he's anointed as Judah's king. And then after he's anointed as Judah's king, what do you see next? Time and test. The red represents processes. God was working to get him ready for the next phase of his life. Now, here's what we want in life. Put the next screen up. What we want is this. We want inspiration and realization like that. I want the dream today and the realization tomorrow. I want to know what what I can be in life and be it tomorrow. I want it. Give me inspiration. Give me vision. Give me dream. And then I want it right now. But that is not the way God works. He doesn't work that way because it's not good for us. And he loves us and cares for us. Go to the next screen, if you will. You'll see this is how God works. God inspires you with something. And then following the inspiration is preparation, consecration, and dedication. Then there's realization. There's a vision. But then there's also the preparation process. There's the consecration consecrating your life to God. There's a dedicating yourself to those things that you need to be dedicated to. And then ultimately the realization. And then as soon as you realize one thing, God brings you back around the circle again, because he's always preparing you for the next thing in your your life. And there's always a process. And the process involves testing. It involves time. And you and I need to appreciate that and accept that. If you're going through a season of your life right now that seems dry, that seems like nothing's happening, don't curse that moment in your life. Accept it as a moment where God may very well be preparing you for something that will be in your future and helping you to get consecrated in your life, getting dedicated to some things that you need to be dedicated for. Don't get so focused on what's going to happen next that you miss what needs to happen now. Let me say that again. Don't get so focused on what's going to happen next that you miss what God's trying to do in you right now. Because what God is trying to do do in you right now is he's trying to form in you the heart that you need for the next thing that will come in your life. And you don't want to get to the next thing if your heart's not prepared for it. You don't want to get to the next thing if you're not dedicated and consecrated at the level that you need to be. Because I will promise you, at every new level comes some new devils. And then you realize, my goodness, I, I want this process to be fulfilled in my life due time. And here's the third thing for us today, to have a patient heart like David did, a heart after God, as we have to learn to say no to shortcuts. A shortcut is... The promise of getting somewhere faster, faster results, um, less time, less work, less effort, more glamour, more glory. Uh, Those are all things that come with the idea of a shortcut, quicker, shorter, easier way to get to a place, to a destination. And when you're desperately waiting on something to happen, shortcuts look very tempting in your life. There's a lot of business people that start making shortcuts in their business to try to get somewhere. Builders who make shortcuts and try to take shortcuts in building a building process. And there are people who make all kind of shortcuts in their life trying to get somewhere too quickly because I can get there faster and I can get the money quicker or whatever the case might be. But shortcuts are very tempting for all of us. Even David was tempted to take some shortcuts on his way to becoming king. And I want to share with you two stories from David's life that will point out this temptation that we all have to take shortcuts in our life. Because we all would prefer to take the elevator to the top rather than the stairs. Nobody wants the stairs. Where's the elevator, right? 
because the elevator gets us there quicker. But the beautiful thing about stairs is they build something in you when you walk up them. They build your muscles. They build your cardiovascular system. So actually taking the stairs are healthier for us, right? But we want to take the elevators up. It's true in every realm of life. It's the shortcut. How can I get to where I want to be as fast as I possibly can? David was tempted in this realm as well. Take a look with me at two stories. First Samuel chapter 24. Let me set it, set it up for you because I want you to understand the context of what's happening here. David had been anointed by Samuel to become the king. Saul's still alive at this point in time, so Saul is still the king. David has been anointed to become the second king, but it's not his time yet. Okay? And so Saul begins to be jealous of David, and he wants to kill him because he realizes that he may very well take over his kingdom, and so he tries, he's trying to get rid of him. And so he's chasing David all through the Judean wilderness, trying to catch him and kill him. With that background of the story, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 24, and let's see what happens here, beginning in verse number 1. After David returned from, or excuse me, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. So here's the deal. David's running in the wilderness, out in the Judean wilderness, all kind of caves out there. If you've ever been to Israel, you know how that part of the, the, the country is. And so he, David has gone back into a cave with his men. He's hiding to, from Saul. And Saul happens to come in to the same cave where David and some of his men are hiding. Now, Saul doesn't know that David is back there. Okay, got it? Okay, let's see what happens next. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So here they are. Saul is there doing his business. And we find David in the background and his men say, David, this is your moment. Don't you realize God has set this up? Holy Ghost is here. Okay. Go get him and kill him and it'll all be over with. This has got to be a God moment, David. And so the men are trying to convince him to to kill Saul. Had he killed Saul, it would have been a fast track to the kingdom. At least that's what they thought it would be. So David was tempted. He goes up behind Saul without Saul knowing he's there and cuts off a piece of his robe, which indicates the fact that David had a knife in his hands. Take a look now at verse 5. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a a corner of his robe, Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul, and Saul left the cave and went his way. There was a moment in David's life where he could have taken a shortcut what looked like a shortcut to becoming king, but David said, nope, not going to do it. And there in that moment, David passed a test. And I promise you, you're going to be tested in your journey with God. And each step of the journey, when you're in those waiting moments and the next thing hasn't happened to you, you're going to face moments of testing of God's, of you thinking, God's setting something up here. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going, to make, I'm going to manipulate this situation and make it happen. And you may very well be taking a shortcut that can keep you, short-circuit you from everything God has in store for you. Two chapters later, there's another situation that occurs. Let me read this one for you. 
So David and Abishai went to the army by night. That's to Saul's army. And there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner, that was the commander-in-chief for Saul's army. Abner and the soldiers were lying around. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground. With one thrust of the spear, I will strike him twice. So here's the picture. David and some of his men come up to a camp, and there is Saul with some of his men, and they're all sleeping. And Saul's laying on the ground. And there's a big old spear by his head. And one of David's men, Abishai, says, David, here we go. Here's a God opportunity for you again. Just let me go get the spear. I will strike it through his head twice, and he will be dead, and you can be the king. Shortcut. How did David respond? Verse 9, but David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. David passed his test. David said no to shortcuts. Can I ask you a question? What if David had failed one of those tests? What if David had taken things into his own hands? Would he have become king? I don't know what the end of the story would have been. But he certainly would have potentially short-circuited all God had in store for them, for him. And shortcuts, temptation to try to run away from what God's trying to do in our life, try to get out of the process and make things happen more quickly than, than we should, they result in all kind, of, all kind of challenges for us. They look attractive. Sometimes they seem to solve an urgent problem. David could have solved an urgent problem of becoming king, getting rid of this one that was trying to kill him. He could have solved it, he thought, in that moment. Sometimes they even look like an opportunity from God. I can't tell you how many people have told me, oh, God must be doing this. When I knew, you know, that's just a shortcut. You're trying to get out of something in your life. But here's the big deal about a shortcut. Anytime you take a shortcut, at least I will say most of the times you take a shortcut, they end up compromising some part of your character. That to take shortcuts in life to get to where God wants you to be it will, short, it will actually compromise something. David's character would have been compromised had he killed Saul instead of waiting. Ultimately, God took care of Saul and David becomes the king. And God knew how to do it and take care of it for him. But had David done this, he would have in fact compromised a portion of his character. And many times people are making shortcuts and running around what God is trying to do and work in them. And when they take the shortcut, they're, they're, they're compromising something of their heart. They're compromising something, at least of the character that God wanted to form in them. And usually they end up creating more problems than solving problems. Every time, practically, that I thought I had a good shortcut driving somewhere, I ended up taking far more time having been detoured by my brilliant shortcut. Okay. Okay. Than had I just simply looked at the map or followed the navigation system because it knew where to take me. And I will promise you today, God knows where to take you. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life. 
to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, Pastor Dale O'Shields here from Church of the Redeemer. We want to invite you to be a part of Easter this year at our church. We're so excited about our Easter presentation. It's the life of Jesus through the eyes of Mary, and it happens April the 6th through the 9th. We have nine different presentations of this live, amazing drama that you don't want to miss. Tickets are available for you online at church-redeemer.org or at redeemereaster.com. Redeemereaster.com is a great place to get your free tickets. All the tickets are free, and there are nine different presentations. And We want to see you because we know this story is going to change your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.